For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all still in full swing, and the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. Need to look and see if there is a bet for who starts in the NBA All-Star game because our boy Brad Beal looks poised to do that. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can think of or imagine. And of course, there's always the 24-hour online casino. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards. Got a good amount of stuff to talk to you to you guys about today. Some interesting news dropped over the weekend. Uh, also, two games since we last recorded. They got basically handled by the Knicks without Bradley Beal, but without Beal, not sort of too unexpected. Only nice takeaway from that game, Garrison Matthews uh, started, played pretty well. Had 10 points, but I felt like the impact was kind of greater than that. And then uh, last night, they played the Celtics and basically handled the Celtics. Uh, Larry, if this was a regular year where people could do things and go out and COVID wasn't an issue, I would have just said like the Celtics looked hungover. Like, I don't know how you thought watching that, but they just didn't sort of look dialed in. I've been watching a ton of Celtics. Maybe that's what they've looked like recently, but I think that was Washington played pretty well and came out to a better start, but also Boston sort of didn't bring their A game. What'd you think watching that game? Yeah, I, I thought uh, Boston looked a little, you know, lackadaisical. I thought that they started the game out with not a lot of intensity, probably because of the Wizards record. And that could obviously work in your advantage, you know, sometimes where a team is just, you know, going to overlook you. And especially we talk about COVID and, and, you know, different protocols. I mean, these guys have so many things in their mind um, that those things happen. And I watched, you know, from the jump ball, the Wizards just were just more aggressive than, than Boston. And, you know, these guys are playing games and they're playing back-to-backs and they're having games at it. So, hey, man, if you're the Wizards and you can catch somebody coming in with tired legs, I mean, it, it's it's very possible that you can, you know, you can get a win. And I think the night off for, for Beal seemed to really make a difference. He talked in the post game about just feeling like mentally refreshed as much as anything. I mean, he'd been playing a lot of minutes, pretty high usage. And uh, I think the thing we kind of don't account for is that, like you said, this year, you know, in the morning you're getting tested. So you're driving the half hour to the facility, then you're leaving, coming back for practice. Then you're coming back at night to get tested again. And like, it's just stretching out days and breaking up routines and, and all those things. And that's for the home team, even, you know, Boston has a even crazier thing coming on the road, but 
the other bright spot last night, we, you know, we talked about Boston not coming out particularly intense. I thought the Wizards did. Uh, the the Garrison, Matthews, Mo Wagner additions to the lineup. It, you know, those guys aren't world beaters, but they played hard. And we've been talking about this. Our last episode, we talked a lot about playing the guys that Beal seems to want to play with. Like, as a player, you know which one of your teammates are are playing hard and into it. And it seems like Matthews and Wagner are those guys. Yeah, man, I've I seen some things, you know, in that game that can work. You know, I, I saw some things. Obviously, you want to have, you know, Brad as fresh as possible. And you you would want to think that, you know, sitting out one game or having, you know, 48 hours of just complete rest of, of mental and physical rest is not going to make a big difference. I mean, from the person outside looking in, I'm, I mean, I'm here to tell you that, you know, those two days off of, of no, you know, grinding and, and pounding on, on those joints. I mean, it makes a lot of difference from a physical standpoint. And just to give yourself some perspective um, of just kind of moving away for a few hours, you know, for the mental side, I think that that does play, you know, it does play a part in, in how you look, you know, when you return. And there's, there's some advantages to that. Obviously, you can't have these guys sitting out or things of that nature. But if you're able to do that, it does make a, you know, a huge difference. And hopefully Brad can take that, you know, keep bringing that energy, but also take advantage of, you know, those two days he had off. Yeah, it's funny how if you play guys together that seem to respect the way other guys play and they're guys that play hard, that it just seems to have like a, a noticeable difference on on the way they look out there. You know, we talked about this before and, and you pointed out there was one where Mo dunked and, and guys sort of golf clapped like, now when guys are trying to dunk on other guys, like everyone is off the bench, like the energy seems to look better. Uh, you know, Denny tried to dunk on Taco Fall the other night and every, he didn't complete it, but everybody went crazy like he did. They look like they're having a little bit more fun maybe. D does the body language look better to you over the last week or so? It, it does. It, it looks a little bit better. I, I will say it looks a little bit better. And then you think about where those guys have come from. So they have all that COVID stuff going on. All of these guys happen to sit out. And, yeah, I'm watching the game. I'm saying their body language is bad, but I can imagine what's on their brain and, and what they're thinking about also. So now I think that they're further away from, from that situation of so many guys being out. And they can have a little bit more fun. Or, you know, you're not as con much concerned with those protocols as you were before because I think almost all the, the guys have had it or pretty damn close. So you kind of have moved past that little hurdle. And just speaking on Mo, man, he knows how to play the game. He knows how to play the game on offense, and he knows how to play the game on defense. I don't think it matters if you're going to call him or not call him a superstar, but those guys that know how to play the game, those guys that play at a really high level love to play with those guys because more times than not, they're going to be in the right spot. They're going to roll to the right spot on defense. I mean, he did a great job, and I've seen him you know, do a great job in short minutes and I think that that's something that he can carry on and really help uh, the team be more focused on what they're doing because, yeah, Brad came back and, you know, obviously Westbrook was out there, but Mo was the piece. I mean, he, he was the piece. I mean, he was the piece on offense and he was also the piece on defense because he played the game. He didn't always drop back on the pick. He didn't always step all the way up on the pick. Sometimes he played in center field. Sometimes he, he did it 50-50. And just watching him, like, like this guy knows what he's doing. Like, he knows, you know, how to play basketball. So that, that was good for me to see. 
Yeah, I think Mo's the most mobile of the group, too. And, and he's going to beat the guy down the floor on offense. He can spread the floor also. But like you said, moving his feet on defense, like it doesn't take much to be faster than Robin Lopez at this point, I don't think. But Len's kind of the middle ground. Maybe he's more of the traditional rim protector than Mo is. But Mo's been challenging guys at the rim. Like he's not just like trying to like fall down and take charges when he doesn't need to. And, you know, Matthews didn't score the other night and they talked about like Scott Brooks's quote on why they had to play Matthews when Beal was out, which by the way, it's still crazy to me. The guys on this team literally don't play in games except for garbage time. And then they're starting, uh, you know, the next game on a regular basis. But uh, he said, Matthews gives us the best chance to make shots. He's one of our best shooters and we just need shooters on the floor with Russ. Well, he didn't make any shots in the Boston game, but dude was diving on the floor for loose balls. Like, you know, he was like trying to take charges on Brown. I mean, he was poking the ball loose. Like, it just it seemed to make a noticeable difference to everybody else too. I think. Well, yeah, I think, and you know, when those guys are in there for those specific roles and those, and they have those duties, I mean, not being critical of Russ, but he has to find a way to get those guys to basketball. So when he's in there with that lineup, I mean, I watched a, a two three minute stretch. He shot the ball every time. Right when Brad goes out, it's not Russ's time. I think that that's when you have to make sure that everyone is getting the shot that they wanted, that they like. And I think that that could have hurt the Wizards if the if Boston was more engaged in, in what they were doing. But I just thought that that was odd that when when Brad went to the bench and you surrounded West with all the shooters, Westbrook with all the shooters, he shot the basketball every time. And he's not shooting the ball great. And I think that that's an opportunity to start to get those other guys that you need offensively to get going because – Obviously, when Brad's on the floor, then he's the focal point. He's going to get, you know, the majority of those shots and those opportunities are going to come to him. But when he's off the floor and you surround with Bert Tynes and you have those guys on the floor, it just would – I would just think that you would want to try to get those guys the basketball, and that that didn't happen. So I think that that's something that they can improve on, even though we were able to get that win. I think that that's something that, you know, we can, we can improve on. Yeah, if he's going to post up, look, occasionally kick it out. Just, you know, I, I mean, Kemba Walker is not going to D you up particularly well every time, but I, I don't know. I think an open Matthews or an open Bertons or whatever is, is still a better option than like throwing up little baby hooks every single time. Yeah. Uh, I saw some light. I mean, I, I, I saw some light as far as, you know, the, the guys, like they said, they, they had a, a different sort of energy. And I saw some things that, you know, from a strategy standpoint that could possibly work. And we'll see how that those things carry over into the, <clears throat> excuse me, into the into the next game. And I'll I'll kind of talk about those things depending on what I see, you know, during the next game. But I, I saw some things, and and I, I saw some good things. We've said that like a couple of times this year too, and then those good things don't seem to translate. So I, I think that's a a great way to handle it. We'll see where we are in a week and see if those are are longer lasting changes and not just sort of one offs. Uh, obviously, tonight, the Wizards will be taking on the Houston Rockets and a notable game for for one particular reason, the return of John Wall to Washington. Obviously, it won't be fans there for, for any kind of fanfare, but I think these guys are going to be hyped. They just announced right before we started recording that Russell Westbrook is not on the injury report, so he seems primed to play uh, the second game of a back-to-back for the first time all season. And he only played 29 minutes against Boston, which has, has been kind of lower for him. So I, I don't know if they did that intentionally or just sort of how it worked out. But uh, Neto is out. Matthews took a thigh bruise in the game, so he might be out-ish. Uh, 
or I think Neto might be is on the questionable list maybe, uh, but uh, Ish is definitely out. So they're, they're a little banged up at the guard spots anyway. So it's, it's good to see them sort of powering through that. And, and we talked last episode about would they deviate from that plan? So it's nice to know that that is an option. Larry, what do you expect from this matchup tonight? Uh, hopefully I, I expect for the guys to come out with that same sort of energy um, and try to build on a, another win. I think if you can look at the standings and look at where, where you're at and, and see if you can string together uh, a few wins in a row, I mean, it puts yourself in a good position to start to say that we can fight for something. And, you know, there's there's not a better time to, to start to string wins together when you get a big win. And I think Boston was a big win because they're struggling and Wizards are trying to figure out which direction that they're going to go. So for me, I would want to see and, and hope that these guys, you know, build on what they did last game. And Houston also has some guys that are banged up. And I think that their size is more banged up than anything. So mm-hmm. I think that that favored to the to the wizard, Wizards as far as attacking the basket and also using the guys that we have. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see like some Rui at five minutes tonight. You know, like if, if P.J. Tucker moves to center and it sounds like Christian Wood isn't going to play and, and, and that's a big loss for them. Yeah, so if they're playing small, this isn't the night to me to play a ton of Robin Lopez minutes. So that, that'll be uh, interesting to see how the minutes get divvied up. Uh, the other reason this is a noticeable one, the Athletic released a story over the weekend, uh, basically an interview with John Wall. And I'm just going to read a couple clips here for a couple quotes here for anybody that hasn't seen it. So per Wall. Somebody hit me and was like, you know, you're on the trade block with Russell Westbrook. And I'm like, ain't no way I'm on the trade block. Wall said Saturday. You know what I mean? I haven't played in two years. I was like, I know it's part of the business. I said, all I ever wanted from the start was honesty. Just tell me the truth, what it was. I can deal with it. And then he said uh, that the organization was less than honest with him at the end of things, though he didn't single out a specific person. So I got to imagine that's both Shepard and Leonsis uh, uh, particularly. And then... Another quote, I felt like I deserved honesty and respect because I'd been there for 10 years. I'd played through the bad times when we were shitty teams and we had good teams. Never turned my back on the org. I played through damn near every injury that a lot of people wouldn't have played through. I played through broken hands in the playoffs. I think I did everything I could and gave everything I had, heart and soul in the organization, on and off the court. Then everybody kept telling me, no, it's not true. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. And I'm like, I know Houston probably called them first, but it's part of the business. Why wouldn't you call some call if somebody wants to be traded and it's not nothing just having conversations that's all i wanted if you're having conversations that's cool i get it but nobody could ever tell me the truth about it larry you've been in on you know involved in this and and you know what it's like does the organization have a responsibility to tell a player that they are trying to trade it nope trade him nope not not at all not at all and this is not you know day one there's been tons of players that have gone through this same situation and they don't owe it to you. Just like if you want to be traded and moved on, you don't owe anything to them to, to ask or to, you know, do your homework and figure out if there's a, a better place for you. I think it's, it's, it's two sides to the street. And, you know, when I was playing, I think that, you know, what I looked at is Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. And I always told myself if the Chicago Bulls can do what they did to Michael Jordan, anything is possible. Anything can happen to me. And that's what I used. Like, I didn't get frustrated. My mindset went to Chicago Bulls would do it to MJ. Any of these organizations organizations would do it to Larry Hughes. And I think we have to look at it that way, is don't feel like they weren't honest with you. I mean, we understand that everyone is going to say that it is a business. So 
if it's a business, they have their responsibilities, you have your responsibilities. It's not a must that they tell you everything. It's not trades are part of the business. If one team is not going to, if they don't want you, then another team is going to sign your checks. So I think it, it, it feels to me that John's taking a little personal and I don't think that it, there's time for it. I don't think that there's any uh, anything that's good is going to come out of it other than a whining and complaining about a situation that he has no control over. And at the end of the day, they don't owe him anything. And that's, you know, that's, that's as simple as, as I can put it is just move on. I mean, there's a team that wanted you. There's a good city that wants you. You have teammates there that you like, that you enjoy, that if you even had it your way, you may want to play with them as opposed to who your teammates were either way. And it goes both ways because when you're a player on, you know, of that caliber and you're talking with management and you have teammates and they're asking you, you know, who would you want to play with or, you know, what sort of players could we go out and get? And you're having input on that sort of situation. And what about the teammates that you have? Mm -hmm. Right. So you're basically saying, let's move them so we can bring somebody else in. So it's a, it's a two-way street. Like it's it's just your time to move on. And again, when some a team they don't want you anymore, they want to move on from you. If you're a good enough player, you'll stick around in the league, and you know you'll continue to do what you do. The thing I thought was interesting here is the Athletic was the the media outlet that first reported that Wall wanted to be traded, which he subsequently denied. And then you're going to do a long form interview with them about how the team lied to you about it. So it's like something doesn't totally add up there to me. Like I just don't buy that that he didn't say like f this if they want to if they're going to mention me I want out. Like don't if you're going to talk about honesty, don't act like you didn't say get me out of town. It's just a, it's a two way street and and that kind of rubs me a little bit the wrong way. Although I do think Wall has a reasonable sway with other free agents, and if you hear hey this front office is lying to me. I got to imagine that does have some ramifications when some guys make free agency decisions. Like if you've heard negative things from a player about a front office, does, does that play into your decision-making? Well, it does. And then you, most times, you know, the, the parties that are involved and mm -hmm. there's a lot of history that travels with these guys that end up in, you know, whatever city or whatever organization that they're running at the time. But there's a, there's a track record. There's receipts on who, this person is that's leading the charge. There's agents that are around that's dealt with this person that's leading the charge. So you get real information on what to believe, what not to believe, but everybody has that, you know, it's just like playing cards, right? I mean, we all have a hand, but the reason why we're playing cards and it's a game because they have backs on them, right? Mm -hmm. There's probably a joker out there. There's probably an ace out there, but we don't know who has it. That's because they have backs on them. And that's how I look at it within the organization is like, you know, everybody has something that they're trying to accomplish. And we don't know what that is because you're not supposed to. But I would, again, I would suggest that you just move on and, you know, don't try to, to build, you know, any sort of, I guess, get people to step on your side to see it from your point of view, because it's, it's, it's water under the bridge at this point. And there's no reason to, to really revisit, you know, that situation. And you probably wanted to get traded. I mean, you 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 probably wanted to to do something different. I mean, there was a lot of media stuff going on at the time, so you probably wanted to you know a fresh start. Maybe not to Houston specifically, but you probably wanted something different. The other thing that sort of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. He went on to talk about how 
uh, you know, the, the gang sign video wasn't a good look for him and he understands that. And the franchise player can't be doing that. So he called everybody involved, teammates, staff, front office, owner, and apologized. And, you know, he gets that he can't be doing that. But he also doesn't get why that played into their decision to move him on because he'd apologized. So it's like, okay, well, if you know as a franchise, the face of the franchise, you can't do that. And they're going to take that a certain kind of way. You can't just be like, well, I said I'm sorry. So, like, it's happened before. Uh, it's not the first time they've had issues and told them about stuff like that. So I just think at like a certain point, take a little responsibility for it. If if you hadn't done that, maybe you don't get traded. So it's just, I, I just don't need everybody involved to like own their shit. Yeah, man. It, it, it's you're two years removed. I mean, you were two years out with no championship. Face of the franchise. I mean, that's somebody, that's a title that you can claim, mm-hmm. but there's no weight to that. I mean, there's no there's there's no weight to that. It, there's no there's nothing that the fan base can grab onto. There's nothing that your you know your new teammates can grab onto. There's nothing really that the organization can grab onto because it, there there hasn't been something that we've all rallied around: the Eastern Conference Championship, a NBA Championship, and to throw the franchise player around that's a that's a light term. I mean, you may have been there the longest, may pay you the most money. But let's not throw that term around as being a franchise player, because there's a lot that goes into that on the court and off the court, but obviously specifically on the court, because if you're doing and winning championships on the court, then you have some leeway off the court. So there's a dual spot in, in talking about, you know, franchise player. And there's a lot of franchises, but there's not a lot of franchise players, you know, in my opinion. And honestly, at the end of the day, it's 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 what have you done for me lately? You know, if if Beal goes out and and posts a video that the organization hates, he's not getting traded the next day. Like it's just, it's unfortunate. I know he didn't want to get hurt, but like you said, it's time to move on. The tough part here is like fans of the team. It's hard for them to move on when you keep having this stuff revisited. Like it's good reporting by the Athletic. I don't blame them for doing it. It's gonna sell a lot of digital papers for them, but. I'm just kind of over it at this point. Like, I hope we bust Houston's ass tonight personally, and and we can keep this thing rolling. Pivoting a little bit here, Larry, there was one thing that, that Drew Gooden and Justin Kutcher mentioned during the Knicks game I thought was interesting. And they said that teams shoot 32% on open threes against the Knicks, uh, which is at the bottom of the league in terms of percentage, but they allow about 20 per night, which is among the most. So that basically means that they're intentionally sagging off and daring guys to shoot. I'm assuming specific guys they're they're willing to let shoot. Uh, and and Drew talked about the psychological effect of of just being left that wide open. Do you buy into that? Is there a thing to that? Like, oh shit, I can't afford to miss this. Oh, it's true to it. It's true to it. I mean. It's a better shot when you have somebody running at you. I mean, it, you just you you focus more. Uh, you you kind of lock in, and and a lot of times I tell people when you're closing out, like that that closeout makes you get the ball up to that proper arc that you need to. And mm-hmm. if there's nobody closing out, sometimes you don't get the basketball up as high. And I think that there's there's truth to that. There, there's truth to that when you when you are used to shooting, you know, playing basketball with people, you know, closing out and coming at you. When you have a wide open shot. There's a lot of time to think. It's like when you, you know, on the golf course, if you have to putt, it's like it's a very short putt. But if you have too much time to think, then the rhythm is broken. And that's I mean, it's true to that. I mean, if you're playing basketball, you you, you know that I don't want you too close to me, but I do want you to come out so I can give a chance, you know, get a chance to get that ball up. 
And my snarky thought about it when he said it was, well, the Wizards leave a ton of guys open from three and and they hit percentage, you know, a high percentage. But I think the difference there is the Wizards are trying to close out. They're just late, whereas the, the Knicks are stopping short on you and and you see them not closing you out. Like that's the mental piece, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's where your defense starts. I mean, it's where your defense starts. It's your foundation. I mean, if are you scrambled? You know, when you're you're allowing, you know, the three point shot, are you are you really playing your position? So I think that there's more to go into that, you know, that that comment. Um, you know, we talk about playing good defense and you're allowing them to take a three pointer. I mean, if you think about it, three out of ten, you know, three and a half out of ten. I mean, that's that's pretty much the league average. So if you are, you know, really closing out hard on the guys that shoot the basketball well, and then obviously protecting your paint on the guys that really don't, I mean, the averages are that they're going to miss more shots from three than they would from two. So I think that there is some truth to that. We always talk about they're going to shoot the three no matter what. So if you close out, if you run past them, whatever happens, like they're going to shoot the basketball no matter what. So how about stay in position so you're able to rebound or you're able to catch the next cutter or things like that. And you're not just chasing guys and running past guys on a three point shot. You're also less likely to foul someone if you're eight feet away from them. So, and for a team like the wizards that, that does a lot of fouling, that, that might not be a bad thing to adopt. Yeah. You, you don't want to think when you're shooting the ball from that distance, all right, you just want to catch, you know, and rely on your repetition and what you've been doing. But if you're wide open, like you, you, you do think about it to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or their latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to flip or sell your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Bertans had eight points and eight rebounds. He's still not like, it doesn't look exactly like last year, but... And, and the rebounds are partly attributable, I think, to how many shots Boston and the Wizards both missed last night. But he looked a little more active. You know, his defense wasn't just like grabbing a guy who who ran past him. Actually blocked a shot last night, which I actually don't remember ever seeing him do in the past. So uh, ha- have you seen a few signs of life from him? I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking. I think that there's the opportunity to get him better shots is there. And I don't think that we're doing a good job of making sure that he looks the best that he can look. These threes where he's coming, you know, from wing to the top of the key and, you know, kind of, you know, obviously you have to turn your body and turn your hips around and shoot the basketball. He's not even close. And that's like a shot when, you know, you're in rhythm or you're getting hot and you don't necessarily need to get your hips all the way around. You don't need necessarily need to square up. You know, you just found that rhythm, but he hasn't found that rhythm yet. So we haven't allowed him to to get good shots, you know, walk in, walk into some threes as opposed to, you know, needing to get his body all the way around to shoot the three ball. And I think that we're, you know, we're not helping him out and we're not making him uh, look good at all. And I know he's a great shooter, uh, but the type of shots that he's getting is not allowing him to make shots at a high level. 
there's very few guys that make those types of shots at a high percentage like that, that, you know, off movement, uh, like you said, not totally squared up, like the JJ Reddicks of the world. Like you give them a little daylight, the ball's probably going in as a six, nine guy. If you're saying your conditioning's not great too, you're a little slower to the spot. Like that's just a tough ask. And I, I couldn't agree with you more about, about the shots. Like the ones he seemed to make are the, oh shit, I'm the wide open one. I can step into it as opposed to stepping away from it. He's money. He's, he's money if he can step into it. I mean, even from, you know, a couple steps in the half, over half court. I mean, he, he's money or, or a damn good shot of going in. But those ones where he's planting his right foot and trying to spin his hips around, it's just not, it's just not happening. And he's, I mean, he's not helping the team out doing that. I'm kind of like, thrown off by this conditioning thing with him like i've never seen a guy need this long to sort of play their way back into form like it's got to be something more to that that, than that right like an injury or or something there that you know even just beyond the bad shot like he made tough shots last year Uh, this year he just has looked slower and it just well i I like to see him you know you know play with a table setter he's a guy that that needs his table set for him and that's Mm -hmm gonna you know that's gonna slow his rhythm down because he's not a ball handler he's not going to use the ball to get him any 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 sort of rhythm he's not going to get any layups that's going to get him any sort of rhythm off the bounce or even for free throws for that matter he's not going to shoot a bunch of free throws because he's not handling the basketball so he needs someone that's going to set his table and I don't think again the shots that he's getting is he's not uh, getting the table set in a way that he can be productive um, you know and taking the shots that he can make like I, this is tough. Like, I wonder if in most years, if there was a normal G league, you know, in town, if they would have put him in there for the first few games of the year, because they keep talking about how he needs, you know, game minutes to get that conditioning back up and, and all that stuff. But uh, the only way to do it is to play him in a game and he's not helping the team at all. So it's just, it's a weird spot, I guess. Uh, all right, Larry, just switching gears a little bit real quick here. These were some Bullets Forever fan questions that came in for a mailbag, and I thought they were sort of interesting uh, interesting things we could address from some sort of a fan perspective. So uh, we can, you know, hit these kind of quick, I guess, but there's like four okay. or five of them. Beal is a great talent, but isn't trading him the best way to add more talent? You know, if, if you think the team is devoid of talent, is getting rid of your best asset for more assets the best way to go? Well, it, it depends on the makeup of your team. And, you know, it, what's your, what's your plan? What's your style of play? Um, because when you think about a guy of that caliber, you, you don't want a bunch of picks. Mm-hmm. You want um, guys that can help fulfill your goals and fit into your system of what you're trying to do, whether it be a guy that's a few years younger, a guy that hasn't, you know, or a couple guys that haven't stepped into uh, the, 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 the starlight yet, but are pretty damn close. Uh, and that's how you, you know, maximize a, a player like a, a Brad Beal. Um, in, in this day and age, in this game, I know that, you know, a, a lot of GMs, I mean, they, they're grabbing picks and they are hoarding the picks and then figuring out, you know, how can they package them into, into real players. And, you know, again, a guy, Brad stature and his ability to play basketball, only way you maximize that if you get players, multiple players, that fits your, your system and your direction going forward. Uh, that's the only way that, that it makes sense. A bunch of picks, I mean, the number one pick, the number two pick, the number three pick, like those things won't 
necessarily help you uh, if you're going to move on from 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 Brad. Now, if you're going to partner Brad with the number one or number two or number three, that's different. But I don't think that moving Brad for any sort of pick scenario or situation uh, makes a lot of sense for the the organization and also the current guys that are on the team. I think it'd be one thing if you're like Oklahoma City, where you're willing to totally bottom out and just be like really bad for a couple of years and and you're going to trade everyone for picks. When when this organization consistently says we won't tank, you know, we've, we're tied to, to Westbrook for multiple years. Like I just, even if it was the right thing to do, I don't see them ever doing it. Um, so it just sort of a moot point. Like I'm fully convinced that this same team is back, at least for some part of next season. And, you know, we just kind of have to see what it looks like from there. If, you know, they might get a top five pick anyway, and you've got Bryant back, uh, maybe you get a couple better free agents. And, and, and that's what I really expect next year's team to look like. Uh, all right, next one. The Wizards appear to be the slowest and least athletic team in most matchups. Uh, is that the reason for their bad season? And did Shepard go too hard to get international players uh, at the expense of athleticism? And I'm going to take that first part or the second part of that real quick, if you don't mind, Larry. The international part, international doesn't mean less athletic. Like that might've been the case in the 1980s or something, but I don't know. Last I checked, Giannis is an international player um, and like run jump athleticism might not even be that important in the NBA right now. Like, I mean, especially offensively, like Jokic is athletic in a different way. Doncic is athletic in a different way. And while Sadoransky was in DC, he had the highest vertical jump on the Wizards. So I just, I don't think that plays much into it, although they could use a couple more athletes and, and stuff like that, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting one. I mean, I think athletes, you know, they factor more in, in you know, your lower level, not so, not necessarily your lower levels. I mean, I, I think that your athletes within the NBA professional space are really controlled, right? Their fast twitch is, is very elite. So when we talk about athleticism, it's just not about, you know, running and jumping. It has to do with reaction time and being athletically long. I mean, I think that that's something that factors into, you know, how you build a team and what your makeup of, you know, of, of that team could be. And I don't think you lose necessarily lose anything with the mix of, of your international players. I think that there's a, a understanding of the basketball game, um, you know, how things are done, you know, the pace of play is getting pretty similar to, you know, what we're doing, you know, here in the States. And obviously the world is, is much smaller now. So these guys are getting experience with the pace of NBA play, you know, way before they were, um, you know, say back when, when, when I played. Uh, but you need, you know, those quick twitch guys. Uh, you need those, those guys with, you know, long arms, you know, that measure out with, with having big hands. I mean, you need those guys, but those are guys that you find you know, not necessarily a diamond in the rough, but those are guys that you find by doing your scouting and watching, you know, tons of games. I mean, those guys that are jumping, sitting on top of the rim, those guys are going to stand out. But, you know, the other qualities that are that are built around athleticism, you need to scout for those and figure out how can you use that to help your team. And that's what we talk about, you know, having that, you know, that long, small forward guy, you know, that's going to disrupt some things and, and be an active guy to go an offensive rebound and slash. That's the piece that that the Wizards are missing. Right. So I don't think that that's, you know, the international players are affecting that the players are affecting that. I think it's just the overall makeup of the team 
uh, in the style of that play that that factors into uh, how successful each guy can be. And it's a perfect segue into one of the other questions. And 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 uh, apologies if the person who sent this question in to to the blog uh, is listening to this, but I, I laughed out loud. It was the Wizards need to add Taco Fall or Bowl Bowl to fix their defense. Thoughts? I like Bowl Bowl for a different reason than I like Taco. I think Taco is a guy that that's pretty stationary now, who is can pretty much take care of your block to block, meaning if you're on one side of the block, his reaction to get over or even use his length to cover the other side on a any sort of a pass or any sort of a drive. I think that he's he's good for that. But a bold bold, I think, is a guy that's intriguing because he's a young guy, uh, is really good on the offensive end, but I think he's untapped on the defensive end on the style of how the NBA game is played today with the number of switches and um, just the ability to contest a three-point shot his contested three-point shot, he, he may be able to do it from the free throw line, so he's not giving up as much space behind him. So that name would intrigue me, um, you know, and he's not getting a lot of burn where he's at, you know, and then that would be a player that I would say, uh, you know, I would love that. I would love to play with him. I would love to see him on, on one of the teams that I cheer for. Of the two, I think he makes the most sense because he's a much versatile player, much more versatile player, and, and he's got better foot speed, but – uh, I wouldn't be relying on either of those guys to come in and suddenly make us uh, a lockdown defense. There's a reason that they don't get a lot of minutes for their current teams. Uh, you know, like Denver specifically could use another defensive center at the moment. And, uh, you know, he's not getting a ton of minutes. So uh, if this were 1964, I think um, throwing the tallest guy out there might be a pretty good move to, to be a good defense. And you have uh, to learn too. I mean, when yeah. you have a guy of, of kind of that size, say like a bowl bowl, like, he can learn a lot from Mo. Mm -hmm. Like Mo doesn't have that size or you know that ability, just that length. But his basketball IQ and his understanding, like if you had a young guy like that who hasn't played a lot of basketball, like those sort of mixes. Even though Mo not may not be the you know the quote star of the team, like the things that he does from a you know from a team standpoint, and you have a guy with a little bit more athletic talent or a little bit more talent overall, like. That's a, that's a good mix. Yeah, I think that's a perfect point is to find these guys that make the most out of their gifts and figure out how they maximize them and then apply them to somebody with more gifts. You're in, in great shape. I think that's a huge point. Uh, all right, last one I got for you. Should the uh, Wizards trade Russell Westbrook and what compensation can they expect in return? Man, it depends on the direction of what, what we're doing. Right? It depends on the direction of what we're doing. And I will say, Brad is obviously the shooting guard. He's a two guard, but he's doing a lot of ball handling and being the, 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 the primary ball handler. So when you think about like the direction of the team and obviously his usage rate and just understanding, you know, kind of the dynamics of making sure that he's healthy. Aside from that, when the point guard goes out, I think Brad should move to the point guard spot. So if you're talking about trading one of your guys, one of your key guys, if that's your thought process, then that would factor in how, what sort of moves you make to bring in talent for that guy. Because I think that, that there's some room for that to, for Brad to slide over and obviously, you know, be that, be that primary ball handler within, within those groups. A lot of the better teams in the league right now don't have like the old school pure point guard. It's it's a lot of, you know, 
their wing creators are initiating the offense and things like that. And, and if Beal could do that, I think, for the most part, at least. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one screen and then you're playing basketball. Yeah. And if he's going to end up with the basketball, I mean, for a portion of that game, if he starts out with it, he's going to pull some attention. And then that could open it up for, you know, the other guys on the team. And because he shoots it so well, that puts his defender and the big guy at a disadvantage because you can't drop like you would against Westbrook or you, can, you can't uh, uh, against Neto or Ish. Like you can't do those same things that you would do against Brad. You, you, you wouldn't be able to do those things. So I think it would be something to look at. And then obviously uh, playmaking ability is factors into to all that as well. But that's something that I would look into. I know a lot of people that are our team Westbrook are going to say, but he's averaging very close to a triple double, whatever the wizards would have to attach compensation to him to trade him. Like it, it just, that's, that's the nature of it. No team wants a $45 million guy that has the injury history. looks like he's on the decline and no matter what stats he's averaging, this team isn't winning anything. So that's not encouraging them about his ability to help. Like he hasn't played a ton of defense thus far. I'm trying to be mean uh, for for those fans of his that are listening to the show right now, but uh, you would have to take on a bad contract and send out a pick or a young player or something to get him out of town. Now that might still be the right move for both parties, but I don't want people to think because he's an MVP team would throw draft picks at us to take for the privilege to take him on. Yeah, no, I think it's the ability to shoot the ball that that we're all seeing right now. That's putting it's going to put any team that he's on in in a disadvantage. Uh, because he can still get to the spot that he needs to, he's just not able to execute and knock down those shots. So, you know, you would have to, yeah, you would have to convince someone that that he's, you know, he's healthy and, and he's ready to, you know, turn around and maybe even play a little bit different style and not so much of, of his attack, attack, attack. But again, can he change that style? I mean, that's been his, his, his calling card since he's been in the league. But I think the thing, some things need to change, you know, especially, you know, when you talk about going forward in the next two years, you know, some things will have to change. Yeah, I think that's huge is, is the transition to a different sort of uh, phase of his career and, and how seamless will that be. But he has looked slightly better. It doesn't mean that even a, a great month, you know, couldn't make that more of a, a realistic possibility. Like things change pretty quickly in the NBA. And if he strung two or three good weeks together, you know, maybe somebody would be more willing to sort of um, consider that option, another desperate team or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, all right, just to close us out here, uh, next three games, well, t- obviously tonight against the Rockets, uh, but by the time most of you listen to this, that will have already taken place. Uh, they play the Nuggets Wednesday at 8, Blazers Saturday 10 Eastern, and the Lakers next Monday at 10 Eastern. Again, that's a tough stretch, and uh, I Again, like we keep saying it, 500 between these next four games w- would be huge. But I think one and three seems a little more realistic to me. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they lose tonight, beat the Nuggets and then lose the next two. Like that'd be a very Wizards move, I think. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's these predictions are, are very hard and, and tough because, again, you would expect for Boston to come in and, and mm-hmm. you know, handle business and, and, you know, not fall victim to um, to a team that's trying to, to, to write their ship. But again, you have COVID and you have these situations. I mean, you have the Lakers coming in who who are on a traveling road trip and who also have just lost AD. Uh, Braun is playing a bunch of minutes. Um, So these are all games that if you come with your hard hat and you give yourself a chance to win, and I think that that's what's most important. 
is that you do the things that are that are necessary to give yourself a chance to win in the last two to three minutes of the game. And the Wizards have done that to a degree, it ha- but it just hasn't been your first three quarters. Uh, you have to be consistent with what you're doing. And it, every NBA team is going to make a run, so you, you, you're going to always expect that run. But I think if you just give yourself a, a, a chance to, to win, you know, in the last two to three minutes of that game, you know, you, you have a good you have a good chance to win. And these teams that are coming up, I think that with everything going on and having teams come to you, I think that you should be able to have, you know, the ability to give yourself a shot to win in the last two or three minutes of the game. So I think I think 500, you know, I, I think 500 is is what I'm looking for um, again, because if you want to call it an upset or you just call it a scheduling, I think that there's an opportunity to catch teams that are coming to you that aren't as focused as they would normally be. And I think that that's an advantage for you. Larry, how much harder is it when you are perpetually starting games slow and coming out of the gates down 10, down 12, down 15? It's, it's tough. It's, it's tough. It's the energy that you have to exert to, to make sure that you do everything right to, you know, to even things up. You know, when you put yourself behind the eight ball, it's, it's not a, a matter of if you can come back. It's like once you come back, what do you have left? And, you know, the NBA game is like, like we said, it's, it's a fine line between winning and losing. So there's a couple minutes. And if, if you know, if you're catching your breath during those couple minutes, man, that you, that you made that big comeback, then you, you just put yourself behind the eight ball again. So it's this amount of energy that it takes to, to fight back from a situation of, of being down. And being down early is not the end of the world. I mean, because, you know, most NBA teams that being down 15 to 20 points in the first half, Mm-hmm. Uh, you typically come back from that, but then again, how much do you have in the tank to, to close it out? And and that's what you that's where you run into problems. And I think if it's probably been a trend for them all season, when you get down ten early, there's probably some amount mentally where you're like shit, this again. Like you know, like I, I got to think that takes as much of a toll as as the physical. All right, well we're uh, we got our popcorn matchup tonight. Uh, hopefully uh, we see a good one and everybody plays and and everyone stays healthy and all that good stuff and. Uh, the, the Wizards can can get a little momentum going here. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Promised that I would announce the Bradley Beal picture winner today, but I do not have my notes in front of me with the name, so we will uh, announce that next time. Talk to you next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.